epilogue. Six weeks later. They were late. Not very late, but still. It was supposed to have been a low-risk, 48-hour mission, or so Eric had promised her. And that had been 56, no, 57 hours ago now. Alex sat at her desk in the medical suite at PGI's base of operations, and chewed on the last decent fingernail she had left. Okay, she told herself, for about the thousandth time since he and the others had left. Just get a grip. The operation had obviously run longer than they'd originally thought. Not every close protection assignment went smoothly. Sometimes even the simplest missions turned bad, or, at least, failed to go as planned, and the team had to resort to Plan B, or even Plan C. Eric and Nick and Aiden had probably holed up somewhere with the client, waiting for a safe exfil. God, listen to her, she was even talking like Eric now. She swiveled slowly back and forth in her chair a plaintive squeak echoing through the large, empty office with each pass. Eric was fine. Everyone was fine. Any minute now, she'd hear the approach of Nick's SUV, and she'd know everything was all right. She just had to turn her attention to something else for now. She sat forward with renewed determination and pushed her glasses back up her nose, more for the little shot in the arm it gave her concentration than for the aid to her vision and refocused on the computer screen. But just as quickly, she slumped again. Eric's most recent test results taunted her smugly from the screen. How was she supposed to take her mind off worrying about him when she had his medical files in front of her, giving her even more to worry about? She dropped her head onto her arms and let out a muffled groan. Her elbow landed squarely on the keyboard, and the computer began to beep at her with annoyance, until she rose up and lifted herself off it. Across the top of Eric's chart, his name had been replaced by a string of vowels so long it could have been a newly discovered Hawaiian island. She deleted the letters and re-entered his name, feeling a delightful little flutter of pleasure with every keystroke. Like a lovesick teenager writing her boyfriend's name all over her schoolbooks, she found it oddly satisfying just to watch the letters form his name. Johansson. Eric. She had looked at his name for years, but somehow it was different now. Now when she looked at his name, she felt like she was looking right at him, at his gorgeous smile, at his twinkling eyes, at the way he looked first thing in the morning when she woke before him and gently teased him awake with her fingers and her mouth and the warmth of her body. The heavy-lidded, dreamy way he looked when he pulled her to him and wouldn't let her leave the bed snuggling against her, murmuring that he loved her. The way he gazed at her when they made love, as they had almost every day since returning to PGI. The way he smiled at her whenever their eyes met, with an almost bashful, knowing little grin. She still couldn't quite believe it was real. Sometimes she'd wake in the middle of the night, his arm draped casually over her waist, his chest rising and falling gently against her back in the rhythm of sleep, and she'd just breathe in happiness and a giddy kind of disbelief. Even in sleep, he held her. Even in sleep, he made her feel loved. And he did sleep. He was almost up to six hours a night now. And even though she credited the melatonin, 
He always brushed her cheek with his lips and told her it was because he had the most beautiful woman beside him to sweeten his dreams. The nightmares still came occasionally, but at least now he didn't insist she leave when they did. He just let her comfort him until he drifted off again, or else they'd make love until their mutual pleasure erased all memory of pain. He didn't have to work so hard to control his rage now, either, because he rarely felt it these days. So much so that one night over a group dinner, Nick had congratulated Alex on having romanced the asshole right out of him. The word romanced, inserted awkwardly at the last minute, instead of what Nick had really intended to say. One glacial glare from Eric, and Nick had known he'd better rethink his language. Eric may have learned to control his temper, but he was still very private, still adorably shy about sex, and was still a formidable man who demanded respect from his team members, and who got it. It hardly mattered that Alex was pretty sure everyone on base was aware of just how much romancing went on in their quarters every night, no matter how valiantly they tried to keep it down. Eric wasn't about to let anyone disrespect her, in language, or thought, or deed. God, she loved him. Being in love with him and being loved back was like being able to breathe again, like taking in fresh air after being too long indoors. And when he made love to her, when he covered her with his body and slipped into her, sometimes sensual and lazy, sometimes hard and fast, or when they just lay together, skin to skin, and kissed deeply and soulfully for what felt like hours, she knew a kind of bliss that glittered brighter than any joy she'd ever known before. He let her know with every soft gaze and tender caress and soulful kiss that she was his and he was hers. And when he told her he loved her every day as he'd sworn he would, she saw the truth of it in his eyes and his smile and in the little dimple that seemed to have taken up permanent, happy residence in his cheek. He was also her willing patient now, submitting to every test she wanted, working hard to understand his condition, striving to overcome his enhancements and become a normal man again. He insisted they begin removing the pellets from his body immediately, and so she'd taken out one per week over the past six weeks, using a laparoscope through a tiny incision in his side. She had just removed the last pellet two days before he'd left on this low-risk mission, and even though she'd wanted to keep a close eye on him, she hadn't been able to refuse to clear him for it. Mostly because he'd slowly taken off all her clothes and kissed every inch of her body while he begged her to let him go. Only now she wished she hadn't been so easily swayed, even if he did have the most wickedly, deliciously talented mouth and most incredibly sexy body in the entire world, she shouldn't have succumbed to his sexual bribery. But in between orgasms, she had been persuaded that it was only a run-of-the-mill close protection assignment. Glorified bodyguards, really. And that since the client was Swedish, Nick wanted Eric there to translate, if necessary. She hadn't really bought that last bit course, since most Swedes understood English well enough. But Eric had sweetened the deal with some truly gasp-worthy examples of his skill with his mother tongue, 
murmuring outrageously erotic phrases that he'd taught her over the past weeks, telling her quite specifically what he wanted to do to her, and for how long. And then he demonstrated each and every one of those phrases, until she'd relented and given him permission to go, her body and soul weakened by the incredible pleasure only he could give her. She'd hoped that by the time he returned she'd have some good news for him, that the surgeries had been successful and his blood work had come back normal, that he was free of the megadoses of the chimeric testosterone that had ravaged his system, and that he was finally, finally back in the range of a normal man. But now, as she stared at the test results that glared back at her from the laptop screen, she was faced with the bleak reality that she wasn't going to be able to do that. She had rerun the tests twice, just to make sure the numbers were right. Now the little figures taunted her, sitting primly on the screen in front of her, in staunch defiance of all her hopes. His testosterone was still just as high, his other hormones still wildly out of control, and she had absolutely no idea why. She didn't know what she was going to tell him. He had given himself over to her care so freely, with so much trust and love and hopeful expectation, that she just couldn't imagine how she was going to face him when he got back. Or how she was going to tell him that she'd failed. Hey, Alex. You okay, hun? Alex looked up quickly to see Taya Blake in the doorway, looking as though she'd just been on her way somewhere and had backed up to poke her head in the door. Efficient and brisk as usual, Taya still managed to look almost inexpressibly gorgeous, her long black hair flowing in a shining wave down her back, her coal-black eyes glittering beneath a fringe of dark lashes. Taya and Nick shared a dark, luminous beauty that Alex had always envied, and their features were so similar no one could doubt they were siblings, but lately Taya had begun to change in subtle ways, seeming to grow into a real identity of her own. She was happy, Alex knew, being married to Aiden, and it was a wonderful change from the tough, scared young woman Alex had met eighteen months ago. Taya had survived a brutal abduction and had been drugged with a chemical cocktail so potent she suffered a bizarre and severe loss of memory. But it had also brought Aiden to her, and by her own admission it was his love that had finally helped her triumph. She was improving daily now, memories returning to her in fragments and slivers, and more and more of what Alex knew to be a truly charming and witty personality was coming to the surface. But even still, it was more than just happiness that Alex saw in her now. There was a lightness to her that Alex hadn't seen in her before, and a kind of warm, rosy glow on her face as well. If Alex didn't know better, she might think Taya was pregnant. But Taya claimed she was infertile, and Alex wasn't about to bring up that painful subject, unless Taya did first. So Alex just sighed and dropped her head into her hands. I'm okay. I'm just a lousy doctor, that's all. What? Taya laughed, stepping into the room. As if. What's the matter? Alex closed her eyes and groaned. I have one patient. One. And I can't fix him. Thor isn't exactly your average patient, Taya countered coming to stand in front of Alex's desk and folding her arms across her chest. Alex looked up and could have sworn Taya's breasts looked a little more swollen beneath her plain black top. Alex frowned slightly, 
wondering if she might actually have more than one patient soon. Maybe two more, in fact. He really needs a whole team working on him. I know, I know. Alex waved her friend's comment away. But this part of it should be simple. I just don't understand it. All the pellets are gone, so why is his testosterone still so high? And look at that red blood cell count. She tapped the computer screen, and Taya came around to peer over Alex's shoulder. Taya had been a medical researcher in her former life, and Eric had given Alex permission to share his details with her, to take advantage of her expertise. His numbers on everything, they're still through the roof. I just don't understand it. Hmm, maybe you missed some pellets? Alex shook her head, and gestured to a plastic vial that held six small metallic spheres. He's had a full-body CT and an MRI. There were only these six. Taya frowned. She picked up the vial and looked at the pellets, shaking them lightly so they rolled around the bottom of the container like ball bearings. I assume the testosterone should have left his system by now? Taya asked. Absolutely. Taya put the vial down and sighed. I don't know, Alex. You said this is a human-engineered Franken-hormone, right? It probably has all kinds of effects you can't imagine. But the pellets are gone, Alex protested. At the very least, I should be seeing a drop in his levels. But look at them. They're still just as high. Hmm. Taya frowned. Her dark eyes skimmed over the screen, taking in the numbers that simply shouldn't be there. And you've checked with pituitary? It's fine. It's producing hormones at a level I would expect, given the rest of his numbers. Taya nodded. Then she leaned forward to get a closer look at the computer screen. Look at how low his neutrophil count is, she murmured, noting Eric's paltry white blood cell count. Are you sure he doesn't have an infection? Alex shook her head. I know, it's very low. I noticed that, too. But every test I've run has come back negative. He doesn't have an infection, but for some reason, his body seems to think he does, and... Alex froze, cutting herself off with a sharply inhaled breath. Slowly, she sat up and stared at Taya. My God, that's it? Taya frowned. What? That's it? Alex repeated, in a voice that was almost flat with disbelief, her mind spinning, tumbling over the pieces as they clicked into place. She turned back to the computer. Taya, you're a genius. I am. I don't know why I didn't think of this before. I was just reading about this in the New England Journal of Medicine, Alex said, excitement growing in her voice as she called up some previous blood work results and skimmed down the screen with her index finger, stopping on a number. She felt her chest tighten as she gazed at the number, bold as life, mutely trumpeting the answer to her. Yes, that's it. I can't believe it was in front of me the whole time. For God's sake, what? Taya demanded, half laughing. Alex turned to look up at her. It's a virus. Probably several of them, I would guess. A virus? Taya frowned. You just said you screened him for everything and he's clean. Not an infectious virus. Alex shook her head, feeling almost giddy now. A virus specifically designed for another purpose. For gene therapy. Taya's eyes drifted in thought, sharpening as she put it together. She began to nod, slowly, then more emphatically. If 
someone modified a relatively harmless virus, like an adenovirus that causes the common cold, say, and reprogrammed it to carry a new gene into a cell. It could target specific cells, Alex finished for her, nodding along with her friend, like the ones that make testosterone, or the ones that make red blood cells, or adrenaline, or anything, in fact. Instead of using the target cell to make more viruses, it could command the cell to make whatever it normally makes. Taya's eyes were wide and keen. Only much, much more of it. They stared at each other, stunned by the intricate simplicity of it. Gene therapy was cutting-edge science, a new way of treating genetic illnesses by replacing defective genes with normal ones. It was simple in theory, but getting new genes into a living patient's cells was no mean feat. The most common method involved viruses, designed by nature and refined over millennia of evolution to do one thing, invade living cells. But instead of carrying out their own agenda, making more copies of themselves, viruses that had been repurposed for gene therapy were essentially harmless and posed no threat to the patient's body or to anyone else. They were a delivery system, nothing more. Nature defanged, harnessed, and put to work. The article Alex had just read had confirmed that as a medical treatment, gene therapy was still in the experimental stages. She scrambled through her memory of medical school lectures on the subject, remembering the conjecture and the wild theories, and the obvious potential it presented for curing cancer, for eradicating deadly childhood diseases, for changing the course of medicine itself. Yet it wasn't without controversy and risk, and Alex's stomach nodded at the recollection of what one of her professors had said. Many patients had died during clinical trials. Genes were hard to predict and even harder to manipulate, and once successfully inserted into a person's DNA, they could do everything from cure the disease to unleash rapid, untreatable cancers. It was promising, but like many new advances in medicine, Scientists had a long way to go before gene therapy would be considered safe and effective enough for widespread use. Faced with the knowledge that somewhere out there, someone had not only perfected the use of this technology, but had done so in order to deliver harmful genes, ones that would ramp up the body's own production of hormones, Alex felt almost sick. Someone had done this to Eric, knowing it might kill him, knowing it would alter his body in a myriad of ways, knowing they were sentencing him to an early death, even if it were successful. Flooding his system with hormones, clogging his blood with too many red cells. He'd guessed the truth back at the cabin. They hadn't been thinking long term. But if you wanted to build a super soldier, one whose only purpose was to fight and conquer or die, then what better way to create one than to use his own body against him? And what better guinea pig than a man whom everyone already thought was dead? A man who was uniquely trained, uniquely skilled, and uniquely primed to become the ultimate soldier. A man whose life you had decided was only worth so much anyway. Alex glanced up at Taya, feeling like she'd floated away, suddenly wishing desperately that she could see Eric again, just catch a glimpse of him across the yard at the firing range, or working on something with Nick, or doing anything, just to see him, whole and alive and surviving in spite of what had been done to him, 
It was irrational and pointless, and she was probably just working herself up for nothing, but the need to hold him again tingled through her fiercely, little pins and needles prickling through her, as though she were about to pass out. They'd need several slightly different viruses to deliver each of the different genes, Taya was saying, and Alex was grateful to have something to focus on, something to stop the tears that threatened to come. She concentrated on Taya's words, making herself look at her friend's lips as she spoke. And I'm assuming that once his body won the battle and defeated one of them, the pellets would somehow just release a different version, one that he had no protection against, and it would start all over again. Alex swallowed, fighting to stay calm. It all fits. It explains everything, even why his numbers are still high. The pellets are out, but the last of the viruses are still in his system. Taya smiled. But that's the good news, isn't it? Doesn't gene therapy depend on multiple treatments? Alex nodded. That's why they implanted the pellets. So that they could keep dosing him. Internally. So now that you've removed them, it will all stop, right? Once his immune system finally fights off whatever's left, there won't be any more viruses released because you removed the source. All he needs now is time, and he'll be fine. He'll be fine, Alex echoed faintly, disbelief in her voice. He's gonna be fine. Taya came around the desk and hugged Alex, and the sudden warmth of her friend's arms around her made Alex suddenly burst into tears. She laughed through them, embarrassed, as Taya laughed, too, and tried to comfort her. Alex hadn't realized until this moment just how heavily the mystery of Eric's enhancements had been weighing on her how pressing a burden it had been for so long, a seemingly insurmountable problem made even worse by the ticking time-bomb quality that lurked within it. Every day that had passed without an answer had seemed like a clock counting down, taunting her with the knowledge that if she didn't stabilize him, he would most certainly die. But now, now she felt utterly weightless, buoyant with relief and astonished joy. She let out a long, shaky breath, blowing out the stress, the worry, the gnawing sense of urgency that had shadowed her for more than two years. He was going to be okay. He was going to live and thrive and be whole again. See, you're a great doctor, Taya teased, squeezing Alex's shoulders and kissing her on the cheek. Alex sniffled through a laugh and reached for a tissue. <laughs> I have only one patient. I should be. Yeah, actually, uh, about that, but at that moment, a familiar sound made both women suddenly turn to the window. Out in the courtyard, Nick's sleek black SUV rumbled to a stop on the shifting gravel, and the engine abruptly died. They were home. They were finally home. Alex just about collapsed in Taya's arms, a new wave of relief flooding through her. She hadn't thought it was possible to feel even more relieved or deliriously happy than she already did, but the rumble of that engine proved her wrong. She saw the same relief wash over Taya's face, too. And she knew that her friend had been just as worried about Aiden and Nick. But then a radiant, joyous smile spread across Taya's face, the sheer joy and beauty of it making Alex smile, too. Their men, the men they loved more than anything on earth, were home. Alex followed Taya out of the medical suite and then rushed ahead of her, laughing as she reached the double glass doors that led out into the courtyard. She flung them wide and dashed outside, 
setting off at a joyous run towards the car. She ran so freely, so easily, hardly even aware of her feet touching the ground. There was no pain in her ribs, no throbbing face, no unsteady feet or weary heart to make her check herself. Instead, she ran with the same baby goat joy with which Durango had run up to Eric that day on the farm, brimming with happiness and buoyant with love, and wondered how any step towards Eric could have ever been painful, or difficult, or not utterly, entirely, absolutely worth taking. Eric stepped out of the car just as she approached, and the brilliant grin that greeted her made her shriek out a giddy little laugh of pure delight. He dropped his duffel to the ground and held wide his arms, which she flew into with such force that he laughed and stumbled back a bit from the impact. His delighted laughter filled her senses as much as the feel of his strong, solid body against her, and she clung to him fiercely, squeezing him with all her strength. He smelled like dirt and aviation fuel and sweat, but she didn't care because it was him under all that grime. He was solid and real and holding her so tightly she almost couldn't breathe. She pulled back to look into his eyes and was about to speak, about to recklessly and probably inarticulately spell out everything she and Taya had just discovered, when he suddenly kissed her, capturing her mouth and silencing her with his hungry, searching lips. A small sound of pleasure escaped her as his tongue swept against hers with long, luscious strokes, as he moved his mouth over hers with fierce abandon. He knew how to kiss her, had always known how to kiss her, how to inflame her and overwhelm her with the pure heat of his desire. And she knew how to kiss him, how to welcome him and savor him, and ignite his senses as well, with soft sounds and tender urgency and the longing of too many days apart. When he finally broke the kiss and pressed his forehead to hers, his smile was like nothing she had ever seen. He positively glowed with happiness, his eyes bright and sharp and more alive than she'd ever seen them. He was gazing into her eyes with such a fierce, wondrous look that she almost forgot to breathe, almost forgot how to. But then it didn't matter, because he was kissing her again, catching her mouth with another scorching kiss. And nothing around them, not Aiden and Taya holding each other, not Nick sauntering past with a playful punch on Eric's shoulder, nothing mattered but the two of them. Eric began to walk then, and Alex realized she was still in his arms, her legs still wrapped shamelessly around his waist. He carried her effortlessly, past Aiden and Taya, who just laughed, and past Nick, who couldn't suppress a grin, and headed towards the glass doors, stopping every so often to steal a kiss. He set her down on her feet when they got to the doors, and once inside, he silently ushered her towards the living quarters, an unmistakable intensity blazing in his eyes his body all but thrumming with anticipation and need. Did everything go okay? she asked as he took her hand and gently pulled her along behind him. You were gone a long time. It was fine, he said, turning back to her, his eyes drifting down her body with undisguised hunger. Just a flight delay. I was so worried, she said, and he just grinned, a self-satisfied, smug little grin that told her he was glad she'd worried about him and was going to reward that worry in just a few seconds. He banged open the door to their cool, dimly-lit bedroom and didn't bother to turn on the lights. He kicked the door closed behind him, pulling her to him for another devastating kiss, this one deeper and more sensual, 
more possessive now that they were alone. She kissed him back with equal intensity, sinking into his delicious warmth, so grateful for the familiar feel of his muscular chest against hers. He deftly turned the lock behind him as he kissed her, and then backed her towards the bed, his hands roaming over her body as they moved. Clothing dropped heavily to the floor, his jacket, her top, his dusty shirt, her lacy bra, until they were skin to skin against each other and fumbling for each other's jeans. Eric, wait, she said breathlessly, catching sight of a fresh white dressing taped across his upper bicep. I need to tell you about something Taya and I discovered. I need you, he whispered hoarsely, scooping her up and laying her down on the bed. He lowered himself down on top of her, the weight of his body against her feeling so familiar and so right. He kissed her deeply with such desperate hunger that she closed her eyes and let herself be taken, let herself kiss and be kissed, let herself get lost in him and the sensual, insistent rhythm of his mouth on hers and his long, hard body possessing her. When he finally broke the kiss and lifted his head to gaze down at her, his eyes were large and dark, but sharp with desire. I missed you, he said softly, caressing her face, rubbing his thumb across the arch of her cheek. Her face had healed, but he touched her gently, as if he could still see the bruises. I missed you, more than you can imagine. I missed you too, she whispered running her fingers lightly over a small cut on his chin. Her fingers drifted further south until she was running them down his throat towards his collarbone, where another fresh, angry cut had only recently scabbed over. She frowned. What happened? It's nothing. But you said it was a low-risk mission, she protested. What happened? It was nothing, I swear. I was careless, that's all. He grasped her fingers as they explored near his cut and brought them up to his lips. Don't worry. I promise you, I was completely safe the whole time. Did you wear your vest, like you promised? She asked, worry coloring her voice. Because I know you don't always wear it. He probably hadn't worn it this time, and she knew it. Body armor, even the lightest kind, was hard to maneuver in, and often got snagged on things, and she knew he often charged into dangerous situations without it especially on so-called low-risk missions. So he almost certainly hadn't been wearing it when he'd been cut, and the fact that it could have easily been a bullet wound instead of a small laceration made her shudder. He'd promised her he would wear his vest whenever there was even a chance of weapons fire, but she had a feeling that promise had gone out the window as soon as they'd cleared the base. Can we talk about this later? he asked, dropping his head again to nuzzle her kissing the tender spot where her neck met her shoulder. The rasp of his stubbled jaw was ticklishly rough, but the softness of his lips and tongue against her skin soothed the burn. Trying to make love to you here, if you don't mind. Tell me the truth, she said sternly. Don't you dare lie to me, soldier. She felt him laugh against her neck and he raised his head. I wore it, love. Like I promised you. Because I've seen you she admonished, still not convinced. You can be a real lazy ass. You don't always prepare the way you should. You don't always do everything the other guys do to get ready. I've seen you. I wore it, he emphasized softly, kissing her nose. 
for you. He bent his head and kissed her, more slowly this time, more sensuously, his raw need turning into something lazy and luxurious. His hands roamed over her body, his fingers skimming along her heated skin until he was cupping her breast, squeezing gently as he shaped and molded and enjoyed the feel of her. You better be telling me the truth, she said fiercely, not wanting to give in to the pleasure of his skillful hands before delivering at least one more dose of disapproval. I love you, you know. I really love you. And then something changed. He pulled away from her slowly and gazed down at her, something shimmering in his eyes that she hadn't seen before. She smiled at him, at his soft, beautiful eyes, absolutely unable to resist his adorable face. He seemed like he was going to tell her that he loved her too, and she waited for it, loving the way he said it, loving the sound and the meaning of the words, loving the fact that she could say it to him without restraint now and would always hear it back from him in return. But then his face broadened into a boyish, impish grin. There is something, though, now that you mention it, he mused, withdrawing his hand from her breast and running a finger gently down her nose. She wrinkled it at the ticklish sensation. Something Blake does to prepare for a mission. That I don't. What? she asked, sobering, hearing the worry in her own voice. He gazed down at her, his eyes taking her in with such gentleness, such wonder, such love. He... Eric paused, as if he needed to fortify himself a little. He sighed, smiled sheepishly, and then gazed at her intently again. Well, you know, ever since his hand got injured, he's been pretty careful about it. She frowned slightly, but nodded. I know. And so, Eric went on, drawing out the word deliberately, running his fingers down her neck to her collarbone. Blake always... He paused then and swallowed. He laughed self-consciously and lowered his head. No, this isn't right. Forget it. Forget I said anything. Eric. She braced his shoulders and pushed him up and away from her so she could pin him with a warning look. If there's some procedure you don't follow, you'd better tell me so I can get Nick to kick your ass about it. Spit it out, soldier. What does Aiden do that you don't? Eric tilted his head slightly and smiled at her, as if hearing only love in her voice, instead of admonition, as if it touched him beyond words to hear it. He dipped down and kissed her sweetly, and then withdrew, hovering tentatively over her lips, brushing them lightly again and then again. And he finally pulled away and spoke. His voice was barely a breath of sound. Well, see, he whispered, gently bumping his nose against hers and brushing a light kiss against her lips. Before every mission, he... He what? He... He takes off his wedding ring. She frowned slightly, not understanding. And then... She did. Oh my god, she whispered, staring up at him, her heart fluttering a hummingbird beat within her chest. A small, 
wordless sound of disbelief escaped her, a sound that made Eric's lips curve into a dimpled grin. But, you see, I can't do that, he said, feigning a mild pout. His eyes roamed over hers, and he touched her face reverently with gentle fingers. Because I don't have one. She tried to speak, but her voice failed her. She could only stare up at him as her heart thumped even more wildly and her lungs forgot how to work. He noticed the pulse in her throat jumping to life and he smiled, leaning to press his lips there before lifting his head again to gaze down at her. So I was thinking, he whispered, his eyes glittering. Maybe you could give me one. Oh, Eric. She buried her face in his neck and sobbed, expelling the breath she'd been holding, breathing out her surprise and delight and all the emotions she hadn't known she'd been keeping bottled up. She'd been so focused on curing him these past weeks and had been so lost in the sweet pleasure and soul-soothing comfort of just loving him that she hadn't even let herself think about their future. But he had been thinking about it, and he wanted to marry her. In his typical understated style, he was asking her to marry him, right here and now, while she breathed in his scent and luxuriated in the warmth of his skin against her cheek and pressed her lips to his stubble jaw. Eric Johansson, who hadn't even wanted to admit he loved her six weeks ago, was now asking her to be his wife. The enormity of the meaning behind his cautious, playful little suggestion washed over her through her, made her almost dizzy with love and hope, and an utterly delicious, delirious happiness that nevertheless found its expression in tears. She cried against him, tasting her own salty tears as they smeared his neck and dampened his shoulder. When he gently pulled her back, he was smiling, his eyes glistening just a little more wetly now as he laughed. Oh, no, don't cry, Asgley. I'll give you one, too. She laughed and lifted up to kiss him. She kissed him deeply, struggling to breathe through it, unable to hold back hot tears as she cried and sniffled inelegantly and laughed at her wretched state. He kissed her back, sliding his arms around her and drawing her to him, holding her more tightly than he'd ever held her before. When they finally had to break the kiss to breathe, he reached his hand up to her face to wipe away her tears, and she laughed again, burying her face in his neck and breathing him in. They held each other, their hands caressing and adoring each other, their lips against each other's skin. In the quiet of the darkened room, their sighs and whispers and soft sounds of pleasure made their tender explorations even more exquisite, made their kisses even sweeter, even more sensual and intoxicating and deep, with his breath coming shallow and quick and his eyes round and darkly beautiful in the half-lit room. He looked down at her and gently touched her face. It might not be easy, he said quietly. With such pained earnestness, she felt her heart twist. You know the problems I have, but I promise I'll work on. I don't care, she breathed. I love you, Eric. You asked me to stay with you once, and I always will. Always. And she would. There would be time enough for everything. Time enough to tell him what she and Taya had learned. Time enough to make him whole again. 
time enough to let love work its sly magic on his damaged soul. For now, she would just love him, in this moment, and a million more like them. However, I do have to insist on one thing, he said soberly after a moment, breaking away from another long, slow burn of a kiss. And you might not like it. Oh? We're not calling our daughter Bjorn. Or Ikea. Sorry. Deal, she laughed, gleefully, a giddy little giggle of joy. He kissed her through her laughter and couldn't suppress his own. So, to yes, you'll marry me? He asked when his lips finally left hers. For just a moment, he looked like he almost doubted it, almost couldn't believe it might be true. But then he smiled, and she knew that he saw her answer glowing back at him from her eyes. You don't mean to think about it, or yes? She reached up and gently pulled him down to her for a kiss. Yes, my love. Yes. 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 This is Eve Elliot. I hope you've enjoyed this unabridged recording of Stay With Me. Thank you for listening. <laughs>